everyone and welcome back to Falcon Punchcast. This is episode two. My name is Liam and joining me is Dan. Hello. Hey Dan, how's it going? Not bad, not bad. You good? Yeah, yeah. Ready to talk some F-Zero? I'm hyped. I'm so hyped. Are you really? Yeah, I am. Because I've only just got off the back of watching this. Okay, you enjoy these these three? Yeah, I do. I think I prefer, overall, I think I prefer these episodes more than the original three or the first three. Okay, so if you're just joining us, I would recommend watching episode one first. Mm. This is a show in which we uh, talk about F Zero, Nintendo's uh, most neglected franchise mm. uh, that we both love. Uh, but we're mostly going to be covering the F Zero GP Legend anime or Legend of Falcon, as it's known in Japan. Uh, it was discontinued in the West. We It wasn't fully dubbed, so it's subtitled. It's on YouTube. You can watch it for free. And that's what we've been doing. This uh, episode, we're going to be covering laps four through six. Just to recap, the episodes in this anime series are called laps, which is amazing. Mm. And yeah. Anyway, yeah, we're going to be covering laps four through six today. Mm. Uh, but before we do that, if it's all right with you, Dan... I remember last time you mentioned that you watched a bit of the 4Kids American dub version. I did, yeah. I didn't this time, actually. Yeah. Well, neither did I, actually. And I did look to see if I could find them. But it appears that, you know, that certain episodes are quite hard to find. I couldn't find the dub versions of episodes 4 and so on. But I remembered last time you mentioned that you'd watched the dubs, the dub version. Mm. So I wanted to watch a bit of it myself and give my impressions on it, mm-hmm. if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because you, you were telling me about how, like, uh, Jack Levin in it has, like, an Australian accent. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's full of all kinds, kinds of goofy shit that we talked about last time. The main character's name was changed from Ryu to Rick Wheeler. But not his girlfriend, Haruka, who, you know, there's like, there are a bunch of Japanese names I didn't, left. I didn't remember that, actually. Yeah, yeah. There are a bunch of Japanese names still left in there. Huh. You know, one thing uh, that you mentioned is that in the sequence in the first episode where we see Zoda firing like a machine gun mm. at uh, Ryu mm. in the past... You said that it was changed to a laser gun, and one thing that I found hilarious about that, and you were right, it is changed to a laser gun, is that despite it being a laser gun, because they haven't like changed the animation, we still see like bullets ricochet off his car <laughs> when he when he fires it. Yeah, there's there's no like there's no extra work there to show that it is actually a laser gun. Yeah, like no burn marks instead. Yeah, yeah, nothing like that. Or they could just show like a laser fly past him or something. Mm. You know, there's a bunch of things they could have done. Uh, anyway, yeah, one thing that I really didn't like is the music changes, which isn't something you mentioned. No, Do you I, remember this? Not really, to be honest, no. Well, well, it has, like, none of the licensed music. The Meat City theme isn't in there. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. This was a recurring thing with four kids dubs in the 2000s. Mm. We talk about Sonic X a bunch in relation to the dubs, right? Mm. Um, that is another good example of this in effect. They didn't want to pay Sega and Crush 40 for their music, so they just, you know, put in a bunch of, like, stock music and original music that they made in-house for, I I assume, a much cheaper cost. But in Sonic X, in the original Japanese cut, do you remember, uh, you know, at the end of Sonic Adventure 2, where Sonic and Shadow were in space fighting the Mm bio-lizards, you know, the, the final boss of that game... The theme of Sonic Adventure 2 kicks in, live and learn. Mm-hmm. 
That is in the original Japanese version. It's not in the 4K version because they didn't want to pay Crush 40 for the royalties. Wow. That, it's the same here, right? They didn't use the Japanese uh, music. That's mental. The, uh, they didn't even use the actual F-Zero theme. Yeah. Crazy. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the F-Zero anime. Yeah, yeah. They didn't use the vocal theme. They didn't use any of the music from the Japanese version. It's completely redone. And it just sounds generic as hell. You know, there's nothing memorable about it at all. The voice acting is terrible. Mm. The the one that I thought was the the worst was, was Ryu's. Yeah. Like, his voice actor is like... You mean Rick Wheeler? <laughs> yeah, Rick Wheeler. <laughs> he sounds like... He sounds dumb, you know? Mm. His voice acting is so stiff. To the point that it almost like kind of undermines his character. Anyway, yeah, I actually didn't mind so much Jack's voice. I thought that was like the least of its problems. Yeah, definitely. It, it was just a weird like change. I thought, considering they're supposed to be in America, right? Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be in New York, but yeah. whatever. I, I I don't know. That's like yeah, that went that struck me as strange. But I was like, this is like the least of its problems. Yes. It's it's so fucking silly. At least it wasn't a really hammy New York accent or something. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm glad that so far there hasn't been anything like that. Yeah. In in the anime, that there aren't too many stereotypes. There's a lot of kind of archetypal like criminals and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but so far there aren't too many stereotypes. It's it's doing fairly well, I'd say, so far in terms of like political correctness for an anime from the two thousands. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, let's let's actually like dive into the discussion though. Let's go with lap four, which is called Calling on Samurai Goro. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed this one. Did you? I did as well. I I really liked yeah. it. it- We'll get there eventually, but it subverted my expectations, I guess. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly what I was thinking, you know. it This completely subverted my expectations of Samurai Goro as a character. Mm-hmm. He is very unlike what how he is portrayed in other media. Like, yeah. I, I'd say, like, one of the only kind of, uh, you know, instances where I've really seen him, you know, doing, like, story stuff, having spoken lines is in GX, yeah. in the story modes. Do you remember? Yeah, he was like a goofy villain in that. Like, he was a very one-note, like, dumb villain. Yeah, yeah, he's just like this obnoxious, like, fat old, like, pirate dude uh-huh. who who's, who's, like, on the side of the track and he's, you know, wobbling around shouting at Captain Falcon. Oh, I'll beat you, Captain Falcon. Yeah. You know, you're right what you're saying there. It's very, very one-note, very one-dimensional. Mm. But here he's actually kind of cool. And he is sort of multifaceted in a way that I didn't expect. Yeah. His whole reveal thing is just awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, let's dive in with the episode. We begin with Ryu. He's on his way through Meat City. Mm-hmm. And he's having a bit of a flashback. He He's remembering uh, a race that he was in. He won this race. And uh, there was, you know, he's starting to accrue some fans, Ryu is. Mm. Uh, including a young boy who we see in a wheelchair on the side watching him. And, you know, he's got like a, a model of the, the dragon bird, yeah, his ship. Yeah. He's, so he's a little uh, Ryu fanboy, which is kind of cool. It kind of shows that, you know, some time has passed now since he's been in this world. And he is, you know, starting to win some races. I also like that it doesn't completely tell you what's happening in terms of why he's going to where he's going. Yeah, it's revealed bit by bit mm. as the episode goes on. Yeah, we don't really find out what's going on here, but yeah, we see Ryu thinking about this boy in the wheelchair who has a model of his ship, and Ryu signs the ship for him. By the way, I would totally buy models of F-Zero cars, like, if we could have, like, Amiibo yes. of them. Yeah. I I would totally buy, like, a, 
you know how they have like the Starlink mm. R-Wing? Oh, yeah. I would totally buy like a Blue Falcon. It is criminal that nobody has made, to my knowledge, there isn't like a figure of the Blue Falcon you can buy. Mm. Like, I would totally buy like a Figma or something of Captain Falcon mm. in his. Yeah, anyway, anyway, hopefully, like, first for figures, we'll get on that someday. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, one thing that I thought was interesting to note here is that we see Ryu going through some kind of warp gate, yes. and this kind of a sub, this kind of establishes how the races in F Zero travel from one location to the next. Apparently, it's like some underground thing. You're not supposed to do this very often. That's why he went down an alleyway and did it. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's like a warp gate. I think that's what they call yeah, it. Yeah. Cut him a little bit right to the end of the episode when that puppet thing explains. I don't know if you remember this. He explained, like, um, you can't use warp gates too often, otherwise it can cause a black hole or something. And I thought, oh, okay, that's, a, oh. that's a, like an interesting sort of, like, piece of lore that didn't really expect. Yeah, this is something that I didn't really expect to find in this show, is that the lore is thought out mm. in a way that, you know, they, they clearly sat, the writers clearly sat and thought about how, you know, people get around in this world. And yeah, it's cool to see. I like how, you know, we see how this interworld transportation is working, uh, the warp gates, and how they don't need to leave their F-Zero ships, Mm. you know? And yeah, I just, it's cool to see for once how they actually get from one world to the next. I assume this is all, like, these are different worlds when he goes to the next place. Yeah, because it says planet Kryton, which he goes to, which you assume, obviously. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, Ryu uses the warp gate, and he goes to this kind of, like, a desert area, mm. and it's v- very seedy. That Wild West planet, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, um, yeah, very kind of run down, very dingy. There's a lot of rough-looking people there. The police have pretty much abandoned it, like Detroit or something. <laughs> and, yeah, Ryu enters a bar... And it's made made immediately clear that Ryu is not welcome in this bar because out of nowhere, a fucking knife comes hurling across the bar at him. And he... What he does is kind of cool. He kicks it up in the air and he catches it and he throws it back. Kind of cool. That was fucking awesome. Could you imagine seeing some dude do that? Like, getting a knife thrown at him and kicking it with his foot up in the air, catching it and throwing it back at the guy. (laughs) Yeah. I like that moment. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of moments like that in this episode. Although it's, it's then completely um, overshadowed. Yeah, overshadowed by then just slipping on a banana skin. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. After after somebody throws a knife at him, another person off screen tosses a banana at him, and he slips on the banana. <laughs> and you know what's kind of cool is he lands at the feet of Samurai Goro, mm. who Ryu Ryu. You know, it's worth noting does not recognize yes. that that's Samurai Goro. And he he's there to look for Samurai Goro. So yeah, that immediately establishes he doesn't he doesn't know who he yeah, is really. That completely threw me off as well when he was like stuck. He's like, oh, I'm looking for Samurai Goro, and I'm like, wait, what? You're looking? Right? Oh, he doesn't know. Oh, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I like how Samurai Goro is kind of like a mysterious figure here, yeah. and uh, nobody really seems to know what's up. Anyway, yeah, he goes to the bar. and another person comes in. This young girl mm. comes in through the side, and she says. Well, they say simultaneously that they're both looking for Samurai Goro. Mm. And they say they say this to the barman, and I thought it was kind of funny, actually. I laughed uh, probably in unnecessary amounts that the barman replies, Sorry, we don't serve that here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's like a dad joke or something, but that, that, really, that really caught me. I forgot about that. Anyway, yeah, so Ryu explains, you know, the kind of the setup of this episode... 
that a pirate named Samurai Goro has, has hijacked a, a ship out in space mm. and ransacked it of its cargo and it, you know, diamonds, precious metals, and, you know, crucially for us, medicine for sick children was aboard that cargo as well. And we, we see actually, you know, a cutaway where, you know, as Ryu's explaining it, we see this happen in real time. Did, did you remember, like, the, the, the ship that they're, they're using to, you know, hijack this, this transport vessel? It's like a massive hand. It's like a it's like a space hand that grabs the transporter. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, I, yeah. It's pretty cool little moment of design. And then the the pirates enter the ship through its fingertips. Mm. Um, and we see the leader, and he he claims that he's Samurai Goro. Obviously, as F Zero fans, we know that's not really Samurai Goro. Although initially, I was like, maybe it's like a name or something. Maybe like I was a bit confused at exactly what was going on. I did assume like that. He was pretending to be Samurai Goro. Yeah, what what you thought maybe is it could be like a title, yes. like the Arbiter or something. Yeah, like and then maybe the Samurai Goro we know, then maybe at the end of this episode kills that guy or something, then becomes the new Samurai Goro. I was like, ah. I wonder if that was the, you know, that, that did cross my mind when I saw that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Anyway, yeah, this guy doesn't look much like the actual Samurai Goro. Yeah. He's just like a, a ponytail and a goatee, and he says, "I'm Samurai Goro, and he, give me the cargo of the ship. I'm taking over." Anyway, yeah, Ryu. Is at this bar and he's looking for the the samurai Goro who's been doing these uh you know these these raids, uh because he's looking for the medicine for the sick children and and you know we I was kind of putting two and two together there you mm-hmm. know figuring out that oh he's trying to get the medicine for that kid that we saw earlier and yeah that is kind of Ryu's um, incentive throughout that is his motivation throughout the episode he's trying to get this the medicine for the sick kids that's been stolen by the fake samurai goro that's what he's doing in this episode he's looking in this bar but also we have this girl who's also looking for samurai goro and she says that on board that ship was her family's diamond mm. who's been taken uh and yeah she's looking to get it back ryu isn't interested though he just wants to get the medicine for the kid because if he doesn't he will die in a few days which is you know pretty pretty dark raising the stakes there yeah anyway ryu leaves to go and like look for you know leads he goes to talk to people and he's looking for where samurai goro is meanwhile she's talking to the people in the bar and she says Oh, you know, I have you know I have five ships worth of other diamonds, mm. but if I could just get back my family's diamond, and you know, you see the pirates kind of catch on to what she's doing, mm. they kind of think, oh, well, we can just scam this little girl, this little kid that's just coming to the bar. We can, you know, take her to Samurai Goro, and she can, we can just take her diamonds. Uh, you know, we'll tell her that she can get her her family's diamond back from Samurai Goro. We'll take you to Samurai Goro. Yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So they go to take her to Samurai Goro, and Ryu, meanwhile, wanders off. He's you know he's looking for Samurai Goro, looking for leads, and he's mugged in a back alleyway. One thing I'll say here is there's a lot of mugging <laughs> so far in this F Zero anime. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of just goons in alleyways. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of like archetypal crims mm-hmm. fighting fighting people for no good reason and yeah it's 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 a fun time uh yeah so yeah there's a bunch of criminals start jumping ryu for no real apparent reason just because i guess because they're they're bad guys mm. 
And yeah, uh, I th- I think they're meant to be like the the criminals from the bar before who Ryu was you know yeah. kind of tussling with. They're this like fake samurai Garu's goons, I'm assuming, and he because he's asking they're like, okay, they're asking the wrong people. Here. We're gonna just get rid of them or something, probably. Yeah, yeah. So they try to jump Ryu, and they they're, they're more or less successful. They wrestle him to the ground. Yeah, they whack him with a lead pipe, I think, on the back of the head. Yeah, yeah. So Ryu's like more or less like knocked out. When Samurai Goro shows up, the real one, you know, mm-hmm. the real deal. And yeah, it, this is a pretty cool segment here. I like this sequence. Yes. It's very fun. One of them pulls a gun on him and he straight up just draws his sword, slashes it in half. <laughs> I, lo- I love this shit. This this episode is full of moments like this. Yes, definitely. And, and this part just had me laughing so hard because I was not expecting it at all. Yeah, and then he just slashes at them. I'm like, oh shit. And then, yeah, their clothes come off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, their fucking clothes all fall off, and they run away crying naked, and it's, yeah, it's, oh my god, it's so silly, yeah. but I, I don't give a shit, you know, I'm not taking this too seriously, I'm enjoying the tone they're striking here, yep. you know, it's, it's very anime, and there was something, you know, about the timing of this moment where he slashes their clothes off, there's like a pause, he moves his sword, we don't know what's happened, and then their clothes just poof yeah. off their bodies, and it's so stupid. And it, uh, proper anime, yeah, yeah, very anime, very goofy. I love that moment. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, anyway, yeah, Samurai Goro, who to Ryu's is still kind of like just a nameless stranger. He hasn't, you know, said, "Oh, hi, this is my name," mm. uh, but he he offers to take. Ryu to the real Samurai Goro, yeah, which, well, by the way, I've written here, like, Ryu doesn't realise that it's the real Samurai Goro, which is dumb, seeing as how he was just saved, clearly, by a samurai. Yeah, yeah. But, actually, you know, there are a lot of, like, people carrying katana yeah, swords around that's there. that's true, that's true. Like, like, Ryu was just attacked by other dudes with samurai swords, so this is like, I don't know, this is like a, a thing out in the desert. Half of the course, yeah. yeah. And one thing... You know, actually, that I wanted to mention is that this is consistent with where he is in the GX story mode because he is also in a desert area there. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if that's intentional. Maybe? I don't know. I don't know why F-Zero, like, is associating Samurais with, like, the Wild West, (laughs) you know? Making, like, Red Steel 2 up in this place. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. I love a bit of Red Steel too, uh-huh. uh, as as you well know, because we often like go off into tangents talking about it. Yep. Anyway, yeah, Samurai Goro and Ryu—they're camping out. They're waiting for, uh, you know, they're waiting for the ship to leave for the fake Samurai Goro's base, and then they're going to ambush them. They're going to ch- they're going to tail their mm-hmm. ship and follow them to their base. And I really like this whole this whole segment here. This sort of chase. Mm. They chase after them, you know, we see their vehicle leave, and they've got the girl from the bar before, they're going to take her to Samurai Goro, the fake one, and yeah, the drivers of the vehicle, This it's like a weird, like, tank thing, it's like an armoured car, Yeah. and yeah, they, they, they follow them, uh, Samurai Goro and Ryu, they're in their ships, we see, you know, Samurai Goro's got his fire stingray from the game, mm-hmm. it's very cool, they chase after them, and the drivers of this, like, armoured tank thing notice them that they're being followed 
and one of them decides to man a turret. Uh, I like this moment because they actually explain that uh, they were too cheap to like buy one yep. with like a <laughs> auto targeting system. That's the manually. Yeah, it has no like you know Star Wars style like auto target auto targeting thing. Mm. It's just like an old one with like a shitty manual aim. And so they you know they have this like tank cannon aboard aboard their ship that they're trying they're sh- trying to shoot Ryu and trying to shoot Samurai Goro and uh, not doing not doing a very good job of it. I like how the girl like this is when you realise her true intentions. I guess uh, not that you probably thought that she was just some random girl, but at this point. She like knocks the one of the guys in the turret to like knock them over, and you think, oh, okay, she's in on this somehow. I'm not really sure what yet, but okay. Yeah, yeah, they're about to fire at uh, Ryu and them, and she like pretends to fall over yeah. and knocks knocks the guy aiming the turret, so he misses. And yeah, I, I you don't quite know what's going on there, but you clock on that some things, you know, she's not who she says she is. Uh, yeah, so there's this whole like cool sequence here where there, I really like this chase thing. Do you agree? Like mm-hmm. I, I, this whole part was so much fun to me. So yeah, we, we get this great chase sequence where Ryu and Samurai Goro they're chasing off the ship, avoiding the cannon fire as they go. At one point, there's like this Fast and the Furious style moment where Samurai Goro's ship nearly careens off the cliff mm-hmm. and Ryu fires like a tow cable. It's like Star Wars and he pulls him back onto the road. I thought that was really fun. Yeah. And then Ryu finally catches up to them and he fires like a, like a smoke grenade or something inside their ship. Mm-hmm. They're forced to pull over. Yeah, this whole thing is just really fun. Like uh, the music comes in at just the right times. I was really enjoying this, and uh, yeah, before Ryu can approach them, another ship appears behind them and starts firing missiles at Ryu and Samurai Goro. And this was one of the best parts of the episode for me. We have this fucking amazing moment where one of them fires a missile. Oh, the way he just jumps out and slashes is amazing. Yeah, yeah. They fire a missile at Samurai Goro, this new ship that's come to defend the transport ship. Samurai Goro, while his ship is in motion, pops out the top of his cockpit with his sword while it's still moving and just slices it right down the fucking middle and cuts it in half. It's so funny. Oh my god. That just... That, so cool. If I... if I, I really wish I had watched this when I was younger, you know? when If I had seen this when I was, like, 12, I would have been like, this is the best shit ever. Mm-hmm. I fucking love that moment. And, uh, yeah, the drivers, astonished by this, understandably, they, they're just like, okay, fuck it, let's just ram his ship. And as they're about to hit him, Samurai Goro goes for it again and just slices their ship in half. <laughs> it's so silly. Oh, my God. Yeah, because I initially thought, I was like, oh, wait, they're going to like chop their heads off in it. Then you just see their heads just poke out from the rubble like, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just slices the top half of the ship off, it falls off, and yeah. Samurai Goro, you know, he's like, oh, well, we can use these guys to get the base because the other ship was able to get away. And they're like, you know, these guys, they'll take us to the base. Yeah, they take the girl to the base, don't they, at that point? And uh, then you have um, those goons that run in, say, like, they call him Bibelin or whatever his name is, and then he's like, don't yeah. call me that name. And then yeah, the girl's yeah. like, oh, I thought you said you were Samurai Goro. Yeah, she's kind of taunting him at this mm. point, kind of toying with him, because, yeah, she's not who she says she is. She's not some just some innocent little girl, that's what we're about to find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryu and Samurai Goro finally catch up with them, 
and you know uh, the fake samurai Goro Biblin, I think. Uh, yeah, that's his name, yeah, right? Yeah, Biblin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's about to, I don't know, take the the diamonds or whatever from this little girl. When yeah, they show up, but. Before that, Samurai Goro and Ryu have cages dropped on top of them. So that was a bit goofy, that moment, but yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conveniently located cages yeah. above the entrance. Um, yeah. Each in, like For each one as well, not like one giant cage grabs them. Like, yeah. two cages. Yeah, yeah. I, I also find it a bit goofy that we're in this, like, future, mm. and they're still using... They don't have, like, laser cages or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're, like, old school, like lion cages mm-hmm. from like the 60s or something uh anyway yeah the real samurai go shows up and the little girl who's been you know with the pirates throughout the episode she she kind of finally outs herself mm. and she she has like a whip or something yeah, she like, actually ra- she, yeah, she like sort of um gra- the whip just goes randy's face isn't it like her yeah yeah like binds randy's face <laughs> and then she reveals who he is or who she is yeah, she's like, your life as fake Samurai Goro is over. And then uh, Samurai Goro releases himself from his cage. He slices it to bits. Probably not a good idea to put him in a cage while he still has his sword. <laughs> that was my initial thing, right? When he got trapped in the cage, my first thought was, after the, like, oh, that was convenient that he happened to be standing right there, was, wait, you just sliced a missile, a ship, God knows what else in <laughs> half. How can you not slice yourself out of this cage? And then he actually does, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he reveals that he's the real Samurai Goro, and the girl is, I guess she's just like an agent of Samurai Goro. Yeah. Her name is Sasuke, I think. Yes, yes. Sasuke, or whatever to call her name. I, th- I, think, I think it's pronounced Sasuke. Sasuke, okay. Okay, my Japanese is not amazing. No, neither is mine. Uh, Which I don't believe she's an existing character from nah, this series. Nah, nah. No, she's definitely not. She's like... She's like a Naruto character or something. Yeah. She's quite, she's like like wearing like a pink ninja jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Her name is Sar- Sasuke, yeah, and she has a whip for some reason. The fake samurai Goro, you know, he's pretty much backed into a corner at this point, and he decides that now is a good time to, uh, you know, cause his own base to self-destruct. I, I, like, and, you just see, like, oh, I pressed the self-destruct button. Like, okay, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why? I don't know why he does that, yeah. you know? Why Why not just, like, get in the ship and leave? You don't need to destroy your own base. <laughs> it's a bit much. Uh, Ryu, who's still trapped in his cage, a pillar is about to fall on him, but Samurai Goro rescues him. Uh, another really cool moment. Mm-hmm. I'm liking the, the camaraderie between Ryu and Samurai Goro yeah, in this episode. Definitely, when he saves him, he's like, uh, makes us even now. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of um, yeah. There's a little bit of a bromance that goes on here that I really like. Yeah. And yeah, just going back to before, Samurai Goro is so fucking cool in this episode, mm-hmm. especially when you compare him to like his other appearances. I have a new appreciation for Samurai Goro after this episode. Yeah, like, if 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 you like, sort of told me this whole um, premise of this episode and didn't tell the names, I would have assumed that Samurai Goro in this episode would have been like Captain Falcon, and then the, yeah. the dumb fake Samurai Goro would have been the actual Samurai Goro. Like that's just how like sort of cool he was in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I really, really like him. I really like what they did here. Even his design is better. He's like, he's a bit more athletic. Yeah, he's, you know, he's not a bit as more... fat as he is in like the, the the games. Yeah, yeah. And and one thing actually that I wanted to mention, I kind of figure that maybe the the samurai Goro that we see in the Smash Brothers games is based upon his appearance in this, 
you know, he's an assist trophy where he sw- swipes his sword around. Mm. You never see him do that in the games, mm. you know? That's yes, true. Whereas here, we actually get to see him use his sword, and he's just slashing it around. It, it's more kind of consistent with his appearance in this. So maybe, you know, Sakurai and co. watch this at some point. I don't know, but this is the first time, at least that I've seen, in any of like any F Zero media where we actually see him, you know, go to town with his sword, mm. and yeah, you know, it's really, it's really cool. Anyway, yeah, Biblin, he set his base to self destruct. He's trying to escape, but not before Sasuke. I think I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Maybe someone will go with that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe somebody can tell me otherwise. I don't know. But she, she, she out of nowhere has a fucking rocket launcher. <laughs> they even mentioned that the goons, don't they? Like, where did she get a rocket launcher from? Yeah, yeah. Or something they, like that. Or fi- she's got a rocket launcher. Yeah, yeah. She, she fires the rocket launcher at their ship. They're pretty much immobilized. Samurai Gore again. We get to see him do some crazy fucking shit with his, with his, with his sword, and he just in one massive single sword stroke just slices their ship in half. Yeah, you just see that beam of light go down and the whole thing just juts and just like, ah. it's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. I love how they just totally like ham it up in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's This is some full anime shit. Um, I'm very grateful for this, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so much fun. Every time he did this, every time, every like ridiculous sword stroke like this, I just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. I just find I just was not expecting it. I guess. Mm. Uh, anyway, yeah, that was fun. And then the base is collapsing in on itself. Ryu's like, "Oh shit! I better go get the medicine because they left the cargo in there for some reason." Yeah. And uh, Samurai Goro is like, you know, this is the kind of the moment where he finally turns on Ryu. Yeah. He puts his sword up against his neck. And he's like, well, actually, I'll be taking the cargo, Ryu. Mm. What did you think about this little revelation here? I didn't see this coming. I didn't either, but I was hoping something like that was going to happen. I didn't want, like, Samurai Goro just to be some, like, superhero guy. Like, yeah, you want yeah. You want him to still be an anti-villain in some way. And to see him do a little twist like that, but also still give him the uh, some medicine at the end there as a little twist after they tied him up. Yeah, like, it's a really yeah. cool sort of, like, oh, he hasn't completely been a dick and just turned everything against him he has remembered the bromance yeah yeah exactly but initially it does seem like oh this is a total betrayal yeah he ties he ties ryu up to his ship outside as the base explodes and drives away but the ropes or whatever his binds like untie him untie like automatically as uh samurai goro and sasuke drive away so ryu is free and you're right yeah he leaves the medicine there for ryu to give to the sick kids. Mm. That's a nice little moment. No, I after he initially betrays him, I was like, eh, I don't know where this is going, but yeah, I really, I really like Samurai Goro's character in this. It's really good fun. Yeah. And the right at the end, like you, you're shown that oh, the kids getting better. He's had, he's had the medicine, and it yeah. sort of cuts over, and you can see Ryu watching with Jody Summer, and she's just like, yeah. you know that you still like stood out of line, right? I'm still punishing you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. Was a great little moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 she says it completely nonchalantly, yes. but his face his face just drops. Yeah, it's a really funny moment. And then he's like, that later that you just see it just cuts to him like sweeping up or something or mopping the floor. He's like, maybe I should be a pirate when I have to do this. Yeah, yeah, he's put on cleaning duty. Yeah, that's the end of the episode. Ryu mm. gets the the medicine for the sick kids. Samurai Goro drives away, and yeah, this kind of establishes him as a cool anti-hero. Mm. Who, yeah, he's not as villainous as he is in the games. Yeah. He's 
He's kind of like uh, like the Han Solo of this show so far, I've written here. Oh, yeah, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's the smuggler of a heart of gold, mm. sort of, anyway. Yeah. I don't know about that, but he has he's some sli- kind of a conscience. Sli- yeah, he's slightly more, I would say, probably like villainous than Han Solo, but yeah, he's still got a conscience, like you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was interested, actually, to see the US version of this episode, how they would have been able to cut around, like, so many swords oh, yeah. and, and guns, and but I couldn't find it online. Maybe they didn't even do this episode, because it's... Yeah, there's so much stuff. Mm. So many so many samurai swords and guns and, and people getting punched and hit with things. Yeah. I, I don't know how they could have, like, four-kidsed it, but... Maybe they didn't, because I couldn't find it online when I went along. They just full-on forecast it by just not doing it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, would you like to do the next episode, Dan? Would you like, like to cover yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Okay, I before I actually get to that, I'll say, like, I think before we did this recording, I said to you that the lap six maybe was my favourite one. Uh-huh. But having actually just spoke about lap four again, I'm like, oh, actually, maybe lap four is my favourite. I, I like basically lap four and six a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you there. Yeah, it's not to say I don't like lap five, which we yeah. get to, but yeah, like I, I think it's probably the if we're to say the you know the weakest of these three that we're currently. Yeah, yeah. Technically, it's still an enjoyable episode. I think mm. lap five, but yeah. it's not. It's not quite as interesting in some regards. You know, mm-hmm. it's four and, and and six are more kind of fun. There's yeah. more kind of there's more heart to them as well. Yeah, yeah. Things happen that of of greater significance you know that kind of moves mm. the story forward i felt like but yeah anyway lap five which is yeah. called brilliant trap which is maybe that's just the way it was translated but i don't know it sounds very japanese yeah it's not like a, the like the, the best english i guess like yeah brilliant trap like it's not called <laughs> a brilliant trap or the brilliant trap yeah whatever yeah um it opens with jack and he's racing uh in his race yeah, and it's got the big blue theme. I'm like, oh yes, yes, there's the big oh, blue theme. Oh, did did it? I didn't notice that. It was so small though. It was like it was there for about I reckon five, maybe ten seconds, oh, and right. it, it it appeared then. I was like, oh yeah, there it is, there it is, and it sort of stopped. And thought, oh, oh even though okay. it kind of made no sense because it was in Mute City, but you know, whatever, we'll let that pass. Yeah, I think they're just kind of you know using the music tracks in a loose fashion. Yeah, M- maybe because they weren't able to get all of them for each individual track or whatever. Yeah, maybe. I- and I think you know, so far aside from Mute City. The tracks haven't really been, you know, the, the canon ones from, uh, you know, the games. So then it cuts to Ryu and he's watching um, on the TV, he's watching Jack Race with Lucy. Yeah. And uh, he's, got an, he's got his arms in a cast. And, and my first thought was, wait, was he injured in the last episode? Like from that big explosion? I wasn't no. really sure. And then obviously it's explained later. No, that's not the case. Um, he's mugged again. Yes, yes he's mugged again. Yeah, uh, yeah. So two two consecutive episodes. <laughs> yeah, in dark alleyways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's like a bunch of guys. I think try to get a ship, mm. and then one one of them hits him with a stick. And yeah, but but they 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 uh, have to run away because the cops are coming or something. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so uh, what's it? So, yeah, so we're shown like yeah, like the flashback, and you see him get hit and that, and he, he tries to protect himself from a crowbar, and so he just whack his arm, and obviously breaks yeah. his arm, assumingly. So so he can't raise, and he's watching Jack. He's watching now. Uh, yeah, he's watching Jack from home on the TV. Yeah, with Lucy. So yeah, Jack's racing, and then he's being blocked as he's tried to go through to the, to win. He's uh, then blocked by Octoman and Biorex, who I've I get in the feeling now these are like the the um what do they call it the underlings? What do they call it? like a uh, 
The minions. The, yeah, like they're the minions of, of Black Shadow and, yeah. and Zoda. They're kind of like used now as sort of the stock bad guys. Yeah, they're basically, whenever there's anything that to do with Zoda showing up, like these are the two disposable bad guys that appear with them. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, it's cool though. At least they are established F-Zero characters. Yes. And they're not just sort of like generic aliens or whatever, because I feel like in a lesser show that didn't care about F-Zero we wouldn't have seen these two popping up constantly. Yeah, there would have been like, like a, a bob and a bib or something. Like These are just the, <laughs> yeah. the generic bad guys. Yeah. Uh, EAD and Clash, uh, basically Dr. Clash pushed them two out of the way. Yeah. Commanded by Jody Summer. And then, yeah, Jack yeah. wins and he's all like, he's all gloating, he's all happy and that. And they're like, well, you wouldn't have won without us. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's just like the, showing that, that Jack is still sort of a bit sort of arrogant in a way, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then it also shows that his celebrations are being watched by some mysterious woman in a crowd. Yeah. And she has a smirk. And my first thought was, who is she? Like, yeah, what, what is she, an existing character? So I'm looking through the character list, like, does she match up with anything? And I'm like, no, I don't think she is. And then later we do find out that she, she is a character, but uh, we'll, yeah. get, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that she was until later on as well. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it wasn't until after the episode that I remembered. Oh, yes, that is a character, isn't it? Yes. But uh, yeah, yeah. So Jack goes to a bar. Mm-hmm. He just by coincidence he meets with her, and uh, I, I, it's a kind of a weird setup. She's spying on him, mm. and and then Jack goes into the bar where she happens to be and introduces himself. It would have made more sense if Lisa had introduced him uh, herself to him. That yeah. It was very like sort of happenstance that that he went and walked on her rather than the way around. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Jack meets her in a bar. Her name is Lisa. She pretends she's a big fan. Yeah, yeah. And Jack's like bragging about his F Zero ship. Yeah. Uh, then they go and play Paul, and then uh-huh. he shows her his key, and he's like, "Oh, this is my key." And she's like, "Oh, is it? How, how does that work?" And he like flicks it open. She's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> then she walks around the table and just like smashes the cue ball straight into his face and looks him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then uh, a... then she drives off and uses Astro Robin, like his F Zero car, and uh-huh. then she clicks on the the, the board, like because she wants to go to a certain destination, and I'm not really entirely sure how this works, but I guess she just she looks through some profiles and she says, "Oh, I'll just click on that one," and it just takes yeah. her straight to the police station. Yeah, it's like a weird GPS with like an address book in it. Yeah, and it all like auto pilots her towards the the you know where Jack uh, is at the um, the mobile task force, and she goes in there. Oh, this is the police station. Oh, okay then. Yeah. And then she figures out that oh, this isn't just um, uh, this isn't just a police station. This is yeah, this is the mobile task force. Some like secret sort of. Um... Yeah, and I, I think this is like the first time it's established that the mobile task force is actually a division of the police department. Yeah, and I thought I may have missed that from earlier episode. I, w- I really like wasn't sure if that was something that had been established previously. I think, you know, it might be sort of implied, but we don't really see it that much. I don't know. Yeah. That- so, um, she, yeah, then she breaks, she arrives at the police station, she breaks into the safe, she knocks out Dr. Clash on the floor in the process, yeah. and he, like, comes up to, to see who, you know, who yeah. she is, what the commotion's about. And then she just, like, gets a gun out and just shoots up the entire place, destroying all the trophies, <laughs> destroying the other cars. Yeah, she's she's a total bitch, this yeah. Lisa woman. She's it, it, It's a bit much for me, I'm afraid. Like, yeah. I, w- I was kind of like, oh, okay, she's just, like, some regular-ass criminal. 
But I think she goes a bit too far when she fucking knocks Doctor Clash out mm-hmm. and then fires up the like the like why why does she why does she like take a machine gun and fire up all the 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 ships and that like my only assumption is that she figures out that they're all part of the F Zero races as well and then yeah. she wants to she wants to because she wants to win the races herself doesn't she so I'm assuming that she's doing that so then there's less competition oh okay that was my assumption anyway the why she shot up the ships. That that that's fair enough, but it just struck me as a bit maniacal because she's oh, like, definitely, yeah, she's, it was way she, overboard. She, she's laughing like a crazy person while yeah. she does it, and it's very over the top. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So um, then uh, the character card, because I was it beforehand. She reveals herself as Lisa. Yeah, I actually missed that part out. That when she's talking to Jack, she she mentions that her name is Lisa, uh-huh. and I was like, okay, I don't recognize that character at all. Then there's the whenever the, it should be like the uh, the ad break in between halfway through, he comes up with the character card of of her, and it says, it, I think this is a mistranslation. It must be because it says that um, she's called Risa Risa Brilliant, Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, and it says Risa with an R. Yeah, and then but they keep calling her throughout the episode as Lisa. But I'm thinking, wait, is, is she called Risa Brilliant or Lisa Brilliant? I think it might just be like a mistranslation or something. Yeah, uh, but her name is definitely Lisa Brilliant because she, yeah, she's she's in some of the games, isn't she? Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah. And she drives the Panzer Emerald, apparently, according to the the, uh, the, car- the character card, which she does in the cool. games as well. Cool, yeah. So uh, the next day, everyone uh, wakes up and discovers the wreckage, and uh, yeah. Jody dismisses Jack for you know for being a fool, basically, and being tricked yeah, yeah. by a woman. But before we get to that, though, one thing that I wanted to mention that you know one character we haven't talked about yet is an established character that shows up here that you might have missed actually. But there is a guy, and he's freaking out, fretting about how he'll have to explain all this to the chief. It's another member of the Mobile Task Force. It's John Tanaka. Oh, yeah. He is an established character in F-Zero. Al- I... Although, here he is here he's much more campy than he is in the games. I didn't even realise that was him. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I com- that completely went past my head. He like, drops his medicine on the floor and stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, this guy... He has some like stress issues, I think. Mm, definitely, I completely. I didn't realize that was actually Tanaka at all because he's yeah. mentioned passingly in the next episode. Yes, yes, he is. And I saw that name that. pop up on the on the yeah the, the subtitle, and I was like, oh, Tanaka, I recognize that that name. And I looked through and I was like, oh, yeah. well, okay, John Tanaka. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't even realize that was him from the previous episode. I've completely missed that. I was quite glad that you're here for that. I think that I think um, this is the first time they refer to him by name. So mm. maybe. He's, I think he was in one of the other episodes, but we just didn't catch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah, John Tanaka, another established character. Yeah, so um, after uh, Jack is dismissed, he goes back to the bar where he was um, smashed in the face with a, with a pool ball. Yeah. And uh, then a bunch of goons arrive, and it turns out then I think Ryu is also sort of following Jack to see where he's going. Yeah. And then he, t- he finds out that they're the goons who injured uh, Ryu's arm earlier on. And you're thinking, oh, it's kind of, I like this. It actually has like some sort of significance. It isn't just some dumb thing at the beginning of the episode just happens that he was mugged. But they're actually, these are the goons that are still involved yeah. in the whole thing. I like how they actually... You know, everything has a purpose to it. Yeah, yeah, it's all come together. It's all, everything has a purpose, as you say. Yeah, Rio arrives, but the goons escape from them. They just was it put out like a, go- a smoke ball or something down. Yeah, yeah, it's re- it's really silly. They're trying to like interrogate these guys. Who who's this Lisa person? Where yeah. is she? And they're just like, we're going to tell you. And they disappear in a puff of smoke, and it's some <laughs> it's like the most cartoony shit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I love that. 
And then uh, back at the station, uh, Doctor Stewart spots uh, Jack's astropin on a camera. Yeah, but it's a different color, and he's like, "No, I'm not, I don't think it is." But then Rue's like, "No, it definitely is. Are you fucking idiot? Like, it's the same shape and everything." It's just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's been like recolored with like pink and flowers on it, hasn't it? Yes. And uh, then Jody says, "Like, okay, when you race the next race, if you see it, destroy it." Yeah, like to, to Ryu and to. Uh, to Doctor Stewart, but uh, Ryu's like, "Oh no, can't do that." But I can't race anyway, so that's when Doctor Stewart's like, "We'll get help from Doctor Clash, and we can do something about this." I'm thinking, "What? What are you gonna? What are you gonna do? Like fix his arm yeah. or something?" And then that's when yeah. which I do think this whole part is a little bit unnecessary, but whatever. Where Doctor Clash installs a second seat into the Dragon Bird, which is Ryu's car. Well, I I actually like this thing. I like this part because you know, obviously. You know, Jack can't race on his own. He doesn't really know the, um, you know, Ryu ship, the Dragon Bird. True. But this this gives them a way to ride together. And to be fair, there is, like, some precedence in the F-Zero, uh, you know, the games for, like, two-seat cars. Yeah. For, uh, for racers, you have... There's even one with three. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, one the one that I was thinking of was, um, I, think, I think they're called Gomar and Shio. Mm-hmm. And they're like two like tree aliens who race together in one ship. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there is some precedent for this type of thing happening. Ryu and Jack race together in 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 the um what's it called the Dragon Bird. Dragon Bird. Uh, yeah. Which now has two seats, and yeah, they're gonna go and compete in the race to try and get back the Astro Robin from Lisa. Yeah, I, I do get that. It did sort of cross my mind, but initially I was just like, well, I mean, why can't Jack just ride this? He's ridden it before. Like, he, but uh, whatever. So the race begins, uh, we have the races including Dr. Stewart, we've got Lucy, Ryu and Jack in one car, Yeah. with uh, Lisa driving Jack's coloured Astro Robin, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, they then realise that they, they form a plan to, to take her out, or yeah. not necessarily take her out, because they think that we they can probably get to stop, rather than completely destroying her, like yeah, Jody yeah. very coldly uh, insinuated. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they come up with a plan involving the pit stop. Which is a single file, so it means that if they can sort of surround her, that she has nowhere to go. So I think it's Dr. Stewart goes in first, then she follows in after him, and then that's when uh, Ryu and Jack then come in behind and, and yeah, block her off. Yeah, I, I thought this was quite clever, yeah. because um, it gives the kind of the story away for, you know, Ryu, uh, sorry, Jack, to use his knowledge of his own ship. Mm-hmm. Ryu asks Jack, uh, you know, when do you think she'll need to pull over and use the pit stop? Because, yes. you know, he knows his ship and he correctly points out, oh, if, if I was driving it, I would, you know, do it in the in, in the second half. Yeah. And so, you know, they correctly predict uh, when she's going to, you know, pull over into the single file pit stop. Dr. Stewart, as you say, right, he goes ahead mm-hmm. and kind of stops and blocks her from going out. And uh, Jack and Ryu pull in behind her and, you know, she's trapped and they're they're there to get the ship back. And what happens next is pretty surprising and I did not expect this. This is Uh, bizarre. This is so bizarre. And basically, then they sort of confront her. She has nowhere to go. Then out of the blue, Samurai Guru, like, just flies over the head. Yeah. Over the head of them. And then she jumps up and jumps into his car. And then they 
fly off again. Bear yeah. in mind, it's still an F-Zero car. This isn't actually like a jet or a plane or something. I don't know. Maybe he does some sort of evasive maneuver to... Um, I, I, I don't know. You don't really see how he gets his ship to go that high. Oh, yeah. I assumed he went over some sort of jump that just managed uh-huh. to get him there, but it was looked so bizarre. Like, I was like, like, well, how did he... Okay, there he is. He's gone. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird how they didn't notice that he was a part of the race before, but, you know, whatever. Maybe, Maybe he, he crashed d- the race halfway through or something who knows yeah yeah clearly like lisa you know was there with him and Mm. he was keeping an eye on her i I think that was how i interpreted it that he was just kind of watching out for her and she she realizes oh if she gets in any trouble he'll be there to back her up and then that's when it's revealed where jack sees uh samurai goro he's like oh that's lisa brilliant that's samurai goro's wife and you're like (laughs) oh yeah, okay then. Yeah, yeah, That that's not a thing in the games, is it? That's not no, something... No, well, Samurai Goro does have a son in the games, but I don't think that the wife is ever directly mentioned. I don't, I don't think it's um, Lisa Brilliant anyway. No, yeah. doesn't he have like just like a samurai like junior or something kind of character yes. <laughs> yeah yeah i forget his name he's a he's his own racer in the game as well I yeah 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 just like a a silly kind of kid character version yeah. of him but yeah this is uh lisa brilliant i think this is pretty cool you know it it, yeah. it further establishes that samurai goro is just one cool motherfucker yes definitely not only is he like a badass but he has a hot wife as well <laughs> <laughs> so, so good for him, you know. I, I, I totally believe that this dude would have a wife like that. Yeah, because he's so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, they they drive away, they get away. Yeah. Jody is watching from back at the uh, the station. Yeah, and uh, yeah, she's just like you, know, you can see that she's like, hmm, I'm, I'm gonna get her. I'll, I'll sort her out. These boys can't handle her. Yeah, yeah, and and then we we kind of end with Jody welcoming Jack back into the the mobile task force and yeah. Again, she's like, you know, she reveals her softer side. She's like, sorry for, you know, shouting at you, but, you know, mm. we did all this to help you get your shit back and we were looking yeah. out for you all along. I, I I like when we see Jody's kind of softer side, but I hope yeah. that they, they they don't... I hope that they stop doing these kind of, like, twists with her, you know? Yeah, this is the second time now where she's been a badass, hard-ass, like, throughout the whole episode, then right at the end she's like, oh, we know, we did it to help you out, I'm really actually a softie. Yeah, yeah, there are multiple times so far in the anime where she'll do something kind of brash and she'll be kind of rude to one of the characters, Mm. but it actually turns out, oh, she's trying to help them in a roundabout fashion, and... I, I, I like Jodie, but I kind of hope that we get to such a point with her character development where they stop doing that and, I don't know, she opens up to the characters a bit more. Yeah, yeah sure. She's still, like, at the beginning of every episode, she's cold again. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I hope there is a bit more to develop her going forward. I think there will be. You know, I think it is inevitable that, you know, we'll, we'll get something, I think. Yeah. She is basically Samus. And I said that in the last um, episode yeah. of this podcast, but, like, she is Samus Aaron. Yeah. In my opinion, honestly, Jodie, I would say, might be cooler than Samus in some respects. Well, it depends on what game you go off of, I guess. Yeah. Well, but I'm just thinking of instances where you see Samus talk a bunch. Samus, when she doesn't talk... And is just, you know, being the silent, cool badass, you know. Yeah, she's she's basically the Samus from the Metro Prime games, is what I get. Yeah, yeah. When when Samus is like that, I really like her. But anytime we have her talk, I'm monologuing, it's kind of like, uh, you lose something here. She's just kind of 
brooding and and and, and boring and and I, I I don't enjoy that side of her character. The baby. <laughs> the baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. Let's move on to lap six, songstress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this. I think you mentioned before, Dan, is mm. your favourite one so far? I think so, just because of how like cool an arc this whole episode has. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of interesting things that happen here. Mm. Uh, some big things yeah. uh, in- in- involving you know the main characters. First of all, we, we meet Kate Allen, who is uh, you know another established F-Zero character. Mm-hmm. Is she an X? I can't remember. I know she's I, in GX. Yeah, I'm not sure she's in X, but I could be wrong on that. Okay, okay. Most of these characters that we've seen for so far are both in X and GX, at least. Mm. Um, the ancillary characters. What what has impressed me so far about this anime, actually, before we go any further, I want to I want to you know say this is that it doesn't slip in. It hasn't slipped into any formula so far. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of anime, you know, kind of video game anime like Pokemon and stuff, they are so formulaic. Whereas so far, these are kind of, you know, each episode is a completely different story about something very different. And the only kind of through line, the only formula that you could identify really is that each episode we meet a different character. Mm. That that has been the only kind of thing that we've seen so far. Whereas when you look at this episode and you compare it to the Samurai Gore episode, which is very goofy and silly, the tone is is, is different. There's they're trying different things with each episode, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I I've just looked up and and the, she was in F Zero X. Okay, okay. So yeah, she. I think Kate Allen is probably like the one of the. She's one of the only black characters in F Zero. She's the only black female. I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, Kate Allen, she's a pop star who races, and uh, I I don't think it's, like, meant to be, like, known in this universe so far that it's not widely known that she's an F-Zero racer, I think. Mm. She's just kind of, like, you know, a pop star who races on the down low. Uh, anyway, yeah, we see her racing, practicing, she gets out of her ship, and we get this cool moment where Jody introduces herself, like... You know, she's pulled over on the side of this track where she's been practicing her racing on. The lights go out, and when the lights come back on, Jodie is standing there. And this is like, this is like when fucking like Nick Fury introduces himself at the end of Iron Man. Or yeah, yeah, it's so dramatic though that she's that she's there, but it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I like a bit of yeah, yeah. I like a bit of uh, you know theatrics. Mm. Sure. Anyway, Jodie is there, and uh, she says that she's been contacted by Kate's manager uh, to, uh, you know, protect her because she's been threatened by Zoda after she refused to join his his crusades, I guess, to, mm. uh, you know, make money in the FCO races. And Jodie promises to send some protection, and then, well, she pretty much vanishes at that point, doesn't she? Yes. Yeah. And I've got here, because I, I, when I saw her, I was like, I recognise her. Is she... She is an established character, right? And I looked at yeah. her, yeah, she is. And I looked at her, like, um, her bio from the games, which I know that is kind of irrelevant to the, the anime because it's fairly separate. Oh, but, well, um, I'm still interested to see what it says. Yeah, basically, um, from the from the uh, the games, she is essentially a female Michael Jackson. Oh, really? Why? Yeah, like, so she grew up in a musical family and performed called the Alan Eleven with her <laughs> ten brothers. Oh, so God. it's just like the Jackson Five. She's the Alan Eleven. Yeah, she's the um. What's what's the name of the 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 girl from or the woman from the Jackson Five? I can't remember. She wasn't in the Jackson Five. Uh, Janet Jackson, you mean? Yeah, she wasn't she in was- the Jackson Five, was she? She was just a she was just a sibling. I thought. 
Oh, okay. I don't know. I, no, think, you... I think the Jackson 5 are all boys. I <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> I can't believe we're having this discussion. <laughs> but, but, but you're right, yeah. <laughs> I, don't know why, I don't know why that came to mind. I was just thinking of the Jackson family. Yeah, and who, yeah. And who's in the Jackson family, and I, see, I for some reason, remember that. But, yeah, anyway. She was... Over, it says here, she was overly um, eager to pursue music, but she was forced upon... Uh, her, but it was forced upon her, and she went solo at the age of twenty-one. Okay. So like okay. it's again like she was in a she was in a family group, and then she went solo. Like it, she's the female Michael Jackson. Yeah, and that's not dissimilar to her character in this episode. Yeah. She's she's kind of a you know a rebellious type. You don't you see were. any of her family, but yeah, you because uh, I think at this point she's probably in her you know late twenties at this point. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, at least in the game she's age thirty. So yeah. Okay. Yeah, that looks pretty consistent with about the age she is here. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Jack and Mister EAD are sent to meet Kate Allen's manager, which is a small alien dude called Gordon. Mm. And yeah, Gordon introduces them to Kate. And uh, this is interesting because this is the first time where it's actually, you know, said in the dialogue in the show and, you know, acknowledged up front that EAD is a robot. Yes, uh, I thought inter- that as well. Like, it was so candidly said as well. He's like, oh, hi, I'm EAD, I'm a robot. And I'm like, huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I was really I, waiting for that big reveal of, like, the whole time you're supposed to believe he's a human, then it's always an android, but no, he's not. He's just, he's a robot. Yeah, you were expecting, like, an alien moment, weren't you? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. from, uh, I forget his name now, from the alien films. Um, yeah, where the guy gets, like, cut in half, I, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And you see his, like, robo guts hanging out, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um, I was kind of expecting them to do something like that as well, but... I don't know, I kind of like that it's dropped so nonchalantly and in this world, it's not really thought much of. Yeah, it's know? just the norm, isn't it? It's just yeah, androids yeah. roaming around with aliens. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm Mr. EAD, I'm a robot. And mm-hmm. yeah, so this is interesting. It's the first time this show directly acknowledges it. Yeah. And I like how they did kind of lay the groundwork for this a little bit in previous episodes. We mentioned how in one of the first episodes, uh, everyone is eating at the canteen except him. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you, I never noticed that, and you did. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really cool little clue there. Yeah, I like it in shows when they're going to kind of address something later on. And they don't need to, but they put a little detail, they throw in a little clue like that uh, mm. for something they might tackle later. Because it, you know, it makes the it makes the world feel more realistic. You know, yeah. It ma- it makes it feel like it does. It makes it feel like oh, this is something they planned ahead of time, and it's not just something that they threw in there for this episode. Uh, anyway, yeah, Mister EAD, he's a robot, and uh, the gang is on standby, guarding her concert while she sings. And we see Mister EAD he's sitting backstage, he's listening, and he likes her music, which is mm. that that's a. Uh, that's a big part of this episode where, that we kind of get a little uh, bit of insight in, into, you know, EAD's kind of humanity. There's a yes. little, there's a little bit of existentialism thrown in in this episode that I liked. And that's why I like this episode so much because it really sort of delves into EAD as like actually a character, even though he's a uh-huh. robot. Like it's it's the whole sort of um, uh, what's it like a Blade Runner thing of like a, uh-huh. what really makes you human sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, and it's done in a way that is sort of subtle. There isn't yeah. like a 
I hate it in films that try to be existential like this, mm-hmm. where the characters talk in like very lofty terms. Yeah, like what actually makes you human? Like? Yeah, yeah, and there's none of that in the dialogue. It's no. just all kind of you know implied. Yeah, so just organically there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and that makes sense in this world where robots are commonplace. Mm. And yeah, I I think it's handled in a way here that's very cool, very well written. And yeah, this episode is great. Honestly, you you might you might be right that it is might it might be the best one so far. Mm. I think I enjoyed maybe the Samurai Goro one more because of how goofy it was. Oh yeah, the spectacle of that episode is much better. But like the actual plot, I guess, is why I like this one so much. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on in this episode, mm. and uh, yeah, uh, after the concert, they're back at Kate's mansion. And she decides to go for a drive, and Jody just kind of lets her, tells Ryu and EAD to follow her. Mm. Uh, she goes driving along the seaside, and as you would predict, Biorex and Octoman show up again, and they've mm-hmm. got these two kind of flying ships with machine yeah. guns on them, and they fire at Kate, and she crashes. But she's okay. She's doing EAD, all right. EAD, like, sort of save, protects her, doesn't he? Like, sort of blocks it, the, a lot of the shots of his ship. Yeah, yeah, so, so he does. And uh, they go back to her mansion again, and EAD mm. is comforting her. Uh, he gets her out of the crash, and he promises to protect her. Mm. And we ha- we have let you know nice little interaction between them. But there's more going on here that we initially kind of f- we kind of think. Yes, Kate, Kate, Kate is acting here and this yeah. is something that i really didn't expect but I, she... I didn't know what was going on initially as well when you see ead get electrocuted yeah you yeah, see but... it come they cut to her bedroom and she's there like going oh the, the criminal just got away and like thinking well that doesn't make any sense because yeah the criminal be in her room then attack ead afterwards like what's going on here i'm really yeah. confused yeah there's, there's quite a lot going on here so yeah ead speaking with kate she promises to protect her and you know she's very affectionate towards him initially, or, or so she seems. She yeah, gives him she a, kisses he, him and he like blushes, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. She gives him a peck on the cheek and she compliments him. She says, "Oh, you're such a reliable robot," or something. And then, mm. yeah, as you were saying, EAD goes to patrol the the grounds of her estates, and he's attacked suddenly with like a like a cattle prod or something. It's like yeah, a yeah. it's like an electric an electric like taser thing from behind, and he's knocked mm. out, lands on his face, and then we hear Kate screaming. Ryu goes to check her out, and she says, oh, someone's broken in, they fled out of the window, and it's like, what's going on here? This is weird. Yeah. When Ryu investigates, he finds that EAD is outside, he's been dismantled. Mm-hmm. What were you kind of thinking at this point? Were you putting together any theories in your head? I know the the, the answers come immediately after this, but yeah, what, that, what did you think was going on here? I, I honestly was just confused. I thought I'd missed something at first. Like, did I miss a little bit that, uh, that made that make more sense? And I was tempted to rewind it. Or, you know, say rewind, like as if it's a VHS tape. <laughs> I was tempted to go back and have a look to see if I missed anything. Like, I didn't. Sure. I carried on letting it go. But yeah, I was thinking to myself, um, what's happened with the AD? Why has he been dismantled? I, I genuinely couldn't think of what the purpose was. And when the actual reveal is revealed i didn't i honestly didn't see that coming yeah yeah i i thought that somebody had dismantled ead to take something maybe to yeah. I, I thought it was going to be one of zoda's goons has yes. done that in order to take like data from ead to uh you know infiltrate the task force or something mm. like that yeah something like that does happen but it's actually kate who attacked him 
and took his memory core out so that she can learn what their true intentions are. I love the way that sort of um, the Jody says, like, this isn't the work of one of Zoda's men. This is someone who wants to figure out who we really are. Yeah. And it cuts to Kate, and you see her very sort of like shadily. She has the cube in her hand. Yeah. Like, oh shit, she's the one that did it. And then Ryu walks in, doesn't he? And he's like, uh, "What's up?" And then she's got her hands behind her back, and you, you can see in the mirror that she's <laughs> holding the cube. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a, kind of funny. Like the camera like pans to the side for a second. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was a that was a cool moment. And yeah, Ryu sources her out. He's like, "Why do you take the memory call?" And I like this. You know, this wasn't where I was expecting the episode to go. Nice. No, but but Kate is you know, kind of offended that they won't tell her what they're up to. She mm. doesn't trust the mobile task force and, you know, rightly so because she she kind of figures out that they are sort of using her as bait in a sense. Yeah, because she initially just was told they were the police, right? The part yeah. of the police. So she didn't know what the mobile task force was and she found all that out. And then, yeah, like you say, she like confronts Jody Summer and says, like, you're using me, like, to get to Zoda. Like, yeah, she says, you know, don't protect me anymore. I don't yeah. want to be protected. You know, she looked in the, the memory core thing. Yeah, and, and she, yeah. that's why she said, that's why Jody said I could go off and drive off, because you didn't care about me. You actually only cared about getting to Zoda. And Jody yeah. didn't say anything. You're like, oh, shit, he yeah, just yeah. got told. told. And, and to be honest, when Jody initially lets her go off, I didn't think any thing of that i thought oh this is just a plot contrivance so yeah. that mm-hmm. we can get to a scene where she is attacked and some so you know something happens maybe she gets kidnapped but jody you know the all of these actions that happen in this episode are intentional it happens because jody lets it happen to lull zoda out that is yeah. there are things at work here that aren't you know outright said and i like that there's everyone ha- kind of has their own agenda and that's mm. one of the themes of this episode yeah, definitely. Anyway, yeah, Kate storms off. She's like, don't protect me anymore. And we find out in like a, a, in a moment, you know, that, uh, you know, she's kind of sick of being used her whole life. Yeah, because the other sort of almost like subplot is that uh, when EAD is re- reassembled and uh, then he sort of comes up to, or she goes up to EAD and he's, she's like, you got anything to say to me? And he's like, nope. And she seems completely unfazed that she essentially dismantled him and took out his brain. Yeah, yeah. And she doesn't seem to have any sort of um, regard for robots. Like, she's almost got, like, a prejudice against them. Yeah, when, when, I remember when Ryu, like, first confronts her and he's like, why did you do that to EAD? He's trying to help you. She's like, it's just a robot, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. But this is, uh, you know, again, we're exploring the humanity of EAD. And when she goes and asks him, what do you think about that? What, what do you think about me doing that to you? He's like... You know, he's kind of indifferent to it. He's like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm not gonna pick a fight with you. Yeah, like he, he clearly has feelings for her, but he doesn't want to say anything to like. A, doesn't yeah. go one way or the other, really. Yeah, and he, he instead of you know getting mad at her or anything or criticizing her even, he's like, he, the only thing he has to say to her just about is to compliment her singing. Yeah, and it's quite, it's quite a sweet moment where she's mm. like, huh, maybe he's not so bad. Yeah, and that is. You know, the gradual kind of the her arc in the episode is that she develops a respect for him. Mm. Kate goes off. She drives off. We, we find out that uh, she's taken a ship and she's gone. She's just driven off somewhere. Mm. And so the gang split up to go and find her. But it's Zoda who finds Kate first. He gets to her. And yeah. again, he tries to recruit her. Mm-hmm. Have we seen Zoda? When was the last time we saw Zoda? I think it was like episode three, maybe. Yeah, I've got to admit that this was the first time. We've, he's been referenced a couple of times, but that was the first time I think we've actually seen him 
again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Octoman and Biorex are there again. Yeah, yeah. Zoda pulls up along Kate and he's like, join me. Uh, make, make lots of money with me, Kate. But she yeah. doesn't want to uh, because, I don't know, why would she want to? She owns a fucking mansion. Like, yeah. Zoda, go and like pick on someone who's more like, you know, financially impaired. Yeah. You know? She, that, was, that was a dumb moment. He's like, you can make more money. She's like, I don't care. I own a mansion. Go away, Zoda. Anyway, yeah, Zoda can't get her to join, so he's like, okay, fine, I'll get these guys to take take them out. And this is the first time that Octoman and Biorex are referred to by name, I think. Oh, yeah, I think you're right, actually, yeah. Because up until this point, they're just sort of nameless baddies. Mm. But here, Zoda's like, Octoman, Biorex, take her out. And then they barge into her ship, and I think her ship just sort of breaks down sort of grinds against the side doesn't it yeah yeah she pulls over at the side her ship is on fire and as she walks away zoda pulls up alongside her gets out of his ship and he gives her one final chance to join him and, and she says no yet again why not just say yes but <laughs> why not just say yes pretend, and then yeah yeah pretend but I, I don't know that's not her she's more kind of rebellious i guess that's more in line with her character Mm-hmm. And also, she's sick of being used by people. That's something she says. Mm. Uh, but Zoda is not fucking having it. He pulls out a fucking knife and charges at her. This that's is some a, hard... that's a nasty knife as well. It's not just like some little knife. It's like oh, this proper serrated thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like a fucking like military ass like kukri knife. It's uh, got like patterns in it and shit. Yeah. Before uh, Zoda can you know charge at her with his knife. Uh, EAD jumps in the way and shields her from it, pushes her to the ground, and before Zoda can finish them off, uh, Jody and Ryu show up and confront him, mm-hmm. and they've got like they've got like these laser gun things. Yeah, almost they, like tasers sort of thing. I would imagine, right? They're probably they're, like they're non-lethal. Like, they're like they're like Star Trek phasers or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or they're kind of like the stun blasters from Star Wars. Yeah. And Jody has a terrible shot. Yeah, yeah. Z- Zoda just kind of, you know, he does his acrobatic shit again. He does his flips. He gets into a ship and he drives away and then they chase after him. Uh, yeah, so I- I'm liking this whole sequence of events here is very dramatic. Jody and Ryu drive off after Zoda. And after that, we see that, you know, EAD shielded her from, from the knife mm. and took a blow to his back. He's been, like, slashed down his back. Yeah. And he falls over at her feet. And it's a pretty... That, that is definitely not something four kids would have shown you, you know? Somebody yeah. getting... Even if he is a robot... Yeah, definitely. He That dude got straight up fucking shanked. I mean, now after that, you got, like, an Octoman and Biorex sort of fending off Ryu and uh, and uh, Jody in the race cars. They're trying to catch up with Zoda, and they're sort of... Yeah. They're in between them, they're blocking them. And then Zoda comes back around. I assume it's because it's a track, right? I don't really understand. Maybe he just come back on it to, towards Kate and um, and EAD, and he just goes yeah. to drive right through them, and then, then yeah. that's when yeah, EAD I... just stands up and grabs the ship. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's such a good moment. Yeah, I, I, I think this was just, like, the training course that we saw Kate on initially. Yeah. Yeah, I like, think I so. think that's that's just a place that she frequents to go mm-hmm. and, like, train and stuff. But yeah. you're right. Zoda shows up. He tries to run over Kate. EAD puts himself between her and the car. Fucking grabs his ship as he's about to run her over. Every part of him just starts cracking at the force yeah. of the ship that he's trying to hold. And his eyes light up and, and he just throws the ship to the side. And then you, you see an explosion, right, as he throws it. Yeah. And then you see sort of like Zoda go, oh, whatever, and just drive off. And then you just see like the aftermath of this, like 
sort of uh, explosion on the floor and with a yeah. star in the middle and you're like oh shit yeah they yeah. just blew up that was such a cool anime moment uh, yeah. again it's pretty it's pretty emotional you know yeah. he's he's straight up sacrificing himself to to protect her and, and, and yeah you, you're right he blows up and all that's left there is his star man the, uh, yeah the and then she his... grabs the she, she grabs the memory core that's on the floll and it just sort of collapses like, yeah dissolves into the thing and then yeah. Not to give up, not not to cut to the end straight away the ending like but I really expected them when they started making him putting back together again not Doctor Clash puts him back together again remakes him in a lot of animes or just just cartoons in general that this would have been a moment where he'd get his memory back somehow like in some really dumb arbitrary way where it just yeah, kind of makes they, the whole they, episode seem completely pointless yeah they, they they'd be like oh but we had him backed up somehow yeah and yeah. it's like oh he was saved all along everything's perfect but he's not he. He's lost his memory. He doesn't yeah. remember anything of that. Yeah. And there's that really touching moment at the end where uh, Kate Allen is singing in a concert and, and Ryu is watching it. I think with Jack as well. I think Jack's next to him. I can't remember. And EAD yeah. shows up and he says something like, um, do you remember anything of this? And he says, no, but I like this song. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's really... Wow, that's that's so cool. That that whole moment is just really like did not expect this from an F Zero anime. Yeah, it's it's a pretty touching moment, and it's good that there are consequences for what happened there. Mm. EAD's memory appears to be more or less wiped. His personality appears to be the same because it's you know it's made by the same people. I assume using the same technology. Yeah. Uh, so that is why he is you know the same in his personality. But his memory of, I assume, recent events mm. of that, the, the obviously the events of the episode are, are wiped; they're gone. So yeah, I like that there was, you know, some real consequences there. Yeah, it's pretty emotional, honestly. I, I, I didn't feel teary-eyed or anything like that, but I, I was touched by this episode yeah, in a definitely. way I didn't expect, especially for someone as like we always said, like how stupid EAD looks in this show. Yeah. Like how goofy of a character design he is, and yet they've just... I can't believe they did this. This is amazing. Yeah. He's he's probably, like, the goofiest-looking F-Zero character. He's, like, wearing, like, a onesie. He's got a big, comical, like, warrior-ass moustache. <laughs> a star man on his chest. And he's, like... Yeah. All, it's, like it's like a white leotard or something. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, here we get a really nice, emotional episode with him. I remember when we first started talking about doing this... And I was just kind of joking, thinking, oh, wouldn't it be cool if EAD's in this? But fuck, he is, and he's one of the best characters so yeah. far. He's had, like, the best character arc that we've seen. Yeah, I would, I would agree. So, yeah, in conclusion, I enjoy this this chunk of episodes. I'm surprised mm. that I'm surprised so far how consistently good this is. Yeah. After we watched the first three episodes, I was worried that, oh, is this going to be... Is this just a fluke, you know? Or the subsequent episode's going to be boring? Is it not going to really go anywhere? Mm. But I feel like they are building towards something here. We're establishing a bunch of different characters. We're getting to a point where there are recurring characters like Samurai Goro and Zoda. Mm. I feel like we're getting to a point where we're fleshing out the universe. We've laid the foundations now. And we're doing some cool things with the characters, like EAD, as we're saying. I, I I can only echo what you just said, really, honestly. Like, I was... After seeing the first couple of episodes, they had their sort of dumb little quirky moments. I was really expecting the series from here on out to, like, have filler episodes where the main uh, plot, right, is uh, is Ryu trying to get back at Zoda. 
and that's going to be the way you imagine this show is going to finish. I'm not. I did not expect to like have these other episodes that don't have any major consequence to that overall plot, but that actually mean something. Yeah. It's actually like they they're fleshing out characters in their own episodes. Like you had Jack in the last one with uh, introducing Samurai Goro's wife. Uh, lap four had the whole yeah. point about Samurai Goro, because now when you see Samurai Goro later on, you you realize who he is as a character. You actually know where he comes from because yeah. of that episode. Same yeah, thing exactly. now with with lap six with them um, with the EAD. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I agree. It's good. Yeah, everything feels like it's building towards something. Every episode feels like it has a point and it does contribute something, however small, to the greater story. Mm. I'll probably go and watch the next episode of this like right after this because I've I've really been enjoying the series. Yeah, it has really surprised me, yeah. and oh my god, just seeing Samurai Goro cut a ship in half. It's it's not something I expected to see in this show. Yeah, definitely. My expectation of this show, honestly, if I'm being totally honest with you, was that every episode is going to be like, oh, this is going to be some dumb plot. Yeah. Where every episode they face a different, like, F-Zero racer, like, rival or something. And they're going to be the same one-dimensional character they are Mm -hmm. in the games. And I I thought we were going to get to a point... Who knows, we might end up doing this, but I thought we'd get to a point where the episodes feel so same being similar. But we'd end up doing more than three episodes per podcast. Yeah. And as yeah. of right now, we've been going on for like, what, hour and a half or something yeah. now? Or like, <laughs> it's been... This, is, <laughs> this isn't just some, like, dumb anime that I was expecting, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I'm genuinely, unironically enjoying this a lot. And I'm probably, yeah, I'm going to go watch the next episode. Which, did by you the way, the- yeah, I was going to ask you just what you were going to ask me then, I think, which was, yeah. did you see the name of the episode, Lap 7, which uh, yeah. is the, the Trap of Michael Chain. Yeah, another trap. Yes. And yeah, Michael Chain, who is another legacy F-Zero character. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he's not the outright stereotype he is in the games. Mm-hmm. I think he's the only black dude and he looks like... Like a 90s cartoon thug. Yeah, I think there is another black dude in this, but... There's, there's, oh, yeah, there's, I'm looking through the character list now. There's, there's Baba as well. Who is also a cartoon thug. Yeah, actually, now looking at him, you're right. Uh... Yeah, uh, anyway, hopefully, hopefully... I don't know, maybe Michael Chain will be cool. I remember he he is in the F-Zero GX story. There's a mission... Yeah, there's a mission where you have to, like, stop his ship or something? Yeah. Anyway, let, let's, let's wrap up there. Uh, so next time we'll be tackling uh, laps seven through nine, mm-hmm. and yeah, we'll be starting with Michael Chain. It should be fun. Join us next time. Anything you want to plug before we go, Dan? Um, nah, I'm fine. Just just follow me on Twitter at skdanty. Yeah, follow Dan. Check out my Patreon if you want to get the next episode early. Uh, you can do that. Support the show. Keep us going. Keep us continue doing this. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 enjoying this so far. Gonna keep going. The next two episodes have got a lot to live up to because this is this is definitely improving. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. I think I, I'm hoping that um, at some point we're gonna see like Captain Falcon come into it more. Like yeah, because even though I've loved these last three episodes, yeah, Fal- Captain Falcon wasn't in any of them, was he? Yeah, it, it is kind of surprising that we're watching an F Zero anime. Where Captain Falcon so far has had like one line in the entire like <laughs> six episodes, and I'm perfectly okay with that so far. Yeah, but I do hope at some point he does develop a bigger role. Anyway, we'll see. Uh, yeah, join us next time for laps seven through nine. We'll, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye bye for now. Bye bye. <laughs>
Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for some Patreon Baka shoutouts. First of all, we got Abdullah Al Sanea, Sly Gamer, Roy, Kurai, Ahmed Zainal, Stuart Radley, Don Koopman, Jake Jones, Shane Hill, Centenator of Team Haruhi, and lastly, Carl Coverdale. Shout out to all you guys. Thank you so much for backing and supporting us. Uh, this show would not have been possible without your help, so yay. Awesome. Thank you for your support. I'll catch you guys next time. Bye for now.